Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, it's Danny here and I'm here to ask you to please vote for us in the Football Content Awards. We're going for Best Podcast and Best Club Content Creator and we need your help to win. Go to footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting and type It's All Cobblers to me into the Football League boxes for both Best Podcast and Best Club Content Creator and then press the big Vote Now button. That's footballcontentawards.com forward slash voting. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Danny and I'm here to look ahead to the big game at the weekends between two teams with unbeaten league records going into it. In even better news, I'm joined by Mr. Charles Commons. How are you, Charles? Oh, that's lovely, Danny. I'm very yeah. well, thank you very much. Yeah, yes. I'm good. It is good news that you're here, Charles. I, oh, that's lovely. Enjoy your company on a midweek and a weekend, obviously, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've got to make the most of it because you're away this weekend, aren't you? So we're not getting the pleasure of your your vocal harmonies this weekend. <laughs> My vocal harmonies. That's the wrong okay. word. <laughs> <laughs> we're not singing. Don't worry, anyone. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, I'm away for uh, the next week or so so uh, in fact as you're listening to this i'm currently on a beach in kent oh mm. no, it's very nice quite sandy that that helps yeah yeah i went down some broad stairs oh nice that mm. we did there yeah. there you go very yeah. good very good anyway <laughs> let's let's make the most of you while we can charles yes <laughs> you're not back till next week um open training session tuesday mm. tuesday afternoon neil was gonna go but he didn't that's, no. that's as good as news as we have from that. I know yeah. Mike Fuller on our Slack, one of our patrons, went along to the open training session. It's a good, good old time. Um, didn't see Sam Hoskins there though. Apparently. No, he it's also didn't say silly. very much when you asked him for any news, anything to report. Mike, you said in the Slack, yeah. and there was just silence. People <laughs> assume it was just people running around. I do wonder whether they're quite aware of themselves when they're training in front of people. So it's different to playing a game, isn't it? I wonder whether yeah. They're... A little bit. <laughs> I, you imagine training 
Yeah, you imagine yeah. training to be full of banter, don't you? And yeah. and lots of probably uh, you know explicit language, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you're basically doing it in front of a load of kids, let's let's face it, you know, essentially it's a family afternoon out, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, for a lot of people, and uh, judging by the photos as well that were put up by the club on social media, lots of kids were there to get autographs and things, which is lovely to see. So yeah, I do think that they're probably, although they'll they'll take training seriously whenever they're training, I'm sure, but I presume that they were just a bit more. There was a bit more seriousness, I would imagine, to their yes. training. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's good to see. It's good to see the families turning out and the kids getting their autograph and stuff. I think usually in a in a normal world, if the season hasn't started too early, this probably happens earlier, probably pre season and stuff, doesn't it? But yeah, um, don't still good to be able to. Was it last on. year? Did they do an open training session on as the fan day? I think so. Yeah, it was I the know, open, open yeah. session with the kit reveal and all that yes. kind of thing, wasn't it? So yeah. yeah, but we do do these events really well. I think like this this kind of stuff and only makes the link stronger between the youth and the even the older people. Charles, they can get involved, can't they? It's just getting. You know, it's, it's fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's just getting the the fan base and the community involved, connected, and and, and closer to you know our heroes essentially that's what they are so um yeah it's it's really good obviously you know open up the stadium um for free i mean obviously it is a way of the club being able to make a little bit of money because no doubt the club shop will have been open they'll have probably had you know refreshments available you know so a little bit but you know free to go to you I'm, i'm pretty sure if you'd have really wanted to have been stingy you could have just turned up with a packed lunch and a big old <laughs> bottle of water, and, uh, and not paid anything at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to say anything about that because it's more than likely what I would have done. <laughs> little fat lunchbox. Um, but injuries still blighting John Brady a little bit. I mean, you look mm. at the names that are out, and you think we've actually done pretty well to stay unbeaten so far. Um, Odin, Odin Mayo, um, mm-hmm. still injured, working his way back, was on the bench, name it, on Saturday. He... He was potentially going to get some game time, I think, on Saturday, but the way that the game went, he didn't get out there. So he's probably the closest one. Sour B sharing, still not quite there, still battling back to fitness, might not be available for the weekend. Asma Gaza, still a few weeks away. Epia, still not really ready yet by the sounds of it. I get the mm. feeling he's going to get limited minutes coming up, potentially on the bench on Saturday. I'd imagine he'll get a fair few minutes in the Pizza Cup next week as well. Yeah, I mean, when, uh, let, let's people. let's be honest here, right, with Epia. Fantastic that he's at the club and, you know, a fantastic signing for the fans, if if nothing else. I, I do see him as a bit of an impact sub. It's not as though I, I don't look at it and go, oh, it's bad that he can't necessarily start just yet because I think he'll still have an impact off the bench. Mm. So yeah. he's he's frightening regardless of yeah, what, what what time he's on the pitch. I think it's true, and you you stick him on there against tired legs as well. Yeah, I mean, we've seen already this season how many late goals we've scored. Mm-hmm. Throw him on as well. Like defenders are going to be absolutely pissing themselves <laughs> um, to see him coming on. I think the the difference to last season is as well. He joined in January. By the time it's February March, he's still getting up to speed. Mm-hmm. Whereas this time we've got the whole season. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To get him up to speed by October, November, and have him for a good, yeah. a good old time, lovely mm. old time. Anyway, no midweek games to discuss this week, no. so that's good. Um, we've got one next week with the Pizza Cup, so that's, that's all fun. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, but uh, let, let's get straight into it. 
shall we, and uh, bring in Adam Stubbings from Doncaster Rovers fan website into the empty net. How are you, Adam? Oh, not too bad, thank you very much. Thanks for having us on, guys. And it's uh, it's nice to be reconnecting again, although I'll, I'll be in a lower league to the last time we were able to chat. <laughs> it's, well, it's good to have you back. Not the way we would, would have wanted to meet. Um, no. Carrying a bit of an injury, you told us before we started recording. Yes, I've uh, I've managed to hurt myself celebrating a goal, so um, very appropriate for uh, for what we're discussing tonight. I suppose <laughs> it's uh, I am going to blame the team. Uh, they keep leaving it very late, so um, if they just scored, you know, simple goals early in the games, I, I wouldn't have to get carried away, would I? <laughs> it's, just, it's a good point, isn't it? Because we were talking on Tuesday's pod, Danny, weren't we, about how the exuberant celebrations of our last. <laughs> Uh, last second, let alone last minute, uh, equaliser at Gresty Road on Saturday. Um, but those late goals, they do make you, I, I don't know, they, they make you celebrate harder. It, it's, oh, yeah, yeah. They're much better than a 60-second minute goal. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Especially if it's if it's getting you a point or three points in there. Mm. Um but oh, yeah, I don't think to... we'd be, if we were 4-0 down, consolation we'd last consolation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, say yeah, you say that some last days of the season when we've been relegated, it's been, and we score a consolation goal, sometimes that goes a bit nuts, just because we've got close to the goal. But, <laughs> <laughs> try not to talk about relegation too much, um, Adam, but we, we've got to start there with, as we did last week with our crew fan. What went wrong for you last season? You've been pretty established in League One for five seasons without ever really being in danger. I think I... I would kind of look at Doncaster in League One thinking that's something to aspire to in terms of holding your own there and starting to build. What exactly went wrong? Because you weren't really in much trouble before that, were you? No, we weren't. And if anything, we were we were trying to get back out of uh, out of the division the right way. I mean, it, I think it was just an 18-month spell where the whole club seemed to just malaise and just kind of list into, um, obviously, relegation without really contemplating it. I mean, very famously now in our fan base, our our CEO said last September, we're, I don't think we're in a relegation battle. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I suppose we weren't because it was a foregone conclusion by Christmas that we were going down. But um, uh, bad managerial appointment, bad recruitment last summer um, certainly didn't help us. I think the, the club have maybe tried to cut some corners a little bit. I don't want to say that, to, you know, as the main thing. I know it's, it's a favourite kind of excuse for um, some of our fans, but I, I just think they kind of didn't put things in place to deal with change. So when a manager decides to leave or we have to sell one of our better players, um, we don't really have a very good response to it. We're very reactive rather than proactive as a as a club on the football inside of things. And I think once that had happened one too many times, we just kind of sank like a stone. And yeah, last summer was a, a complete disaster in terms of recruitment and the staff that we put in place and it was all kind of ripped up and changed in the middle of last season, um, which which didn't make a big difference either, I suppose. But we're starting to see some of the medium to long-term effects of that now. Uh, well, I'm hoping we are anyway, based on our start to the season. Mm. And what, what do you put last summer down to in terms of all that, all that mess that you're calling it? I think that we put our eggs into the wrong basket, which, you know, being blunt, was, was appointing Richie Wellens when we did um, and building a, a group of staff around him that probably wasn't, the right kind of uh, mentality and the right sort of approach for Donny Rovers, for the club that we've been for the last however many years now, that we've been kind of um, punching our weight in League One and and uh, in the Championship at times. I just think that, I don't think there was a really aligned football strategy from manager down and manager up. I think that we had an over-reliance on loan players 
um, which didn't help the squad cohesion. Um, and I think that I just I'm not sure that the people in charge of the football side of things above Wellens last season really knew what they were doing, which is why we've changed all of that now. And um, the recruitment this summer looks to be better and it, and it looks to be something a bit more along the lines of what we were seeing a few years ago when we were last successful under um, under Darren Ferguson um, and before that under Sean O'Driscoll. So obviously time will tell. It's only been five games this season, but uh, to this point, it looks like we're we're kind of turning that that corner and, and and doing something a bit different with it, which which will hopefully bear fruit. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting for me the fact that Richie Wellens just didn't work with you guys because mm. he's he's been a successful manager at, at Swindon. He looks like he started fairly successfully with Leighton Orient for this season. I really like. I, I don't particularly like him. <laughs> I will say, remembering him as a player and then you know, just uh, coming up against him as a manager as well um, or, or his teams. But I really do like the way that and, and the style that he's brought, especially with when you look at Swindon a few years ago when they won League Two. Um, I, I know that was the, the year that got curtailed er, early and, and whether they'd have continued on to, to win it, you don't know. But the high press, the, the, the quickness of how he likes his team and the fitness levels that he, it, it really surprised me that it didn't work out with, with Doncaster. Do you, do you think it was just a clash of styles? Yeah, I think partially a clash of kind of styles. It is, it is strange to us as well. I mean, you know, you mentioned a few things there that we were all excited to see. You know, when he was appointed, mm. it it made sense. He was kind of the best candidate available, seemingly based on who we were looking at. Um, you know, he's a legend of the club as a player. Um, he was part of our very, very successful team under Sean O'Driscoll, and, and everyone always enjoyed his, uh, his, his the way that he a, a, approached the game on the pitch. You know, he was a very in-your-face player but he also had great quality as well um and and we all were looking forward to Wellens ball as as the Swindon <laughs> fans were telling us it was and you know you mentioned high press quick football good fitness levels we did not see any of that under him at all I mean the fitness was absolutely diabolical uh I, I have to say um it was a big big problem we had a really bad pre-season um for, for whatever reason the players just never got going. We had a lot of injuries. A lot of the we had like a COVID outbreak um, quite close to the start of the, the league season, and we just never ever picked up from there. We were just dying in games every after sixty minutes, really every week, um, and we'd never really saw the high press. We never really saw this great tactical stuff that he seemed to be bringing at Swindon, and I guess to some degree at Salford, although I know he wasn't there too long. And yeah, he, he seems to be doing well at Leighton Orient. Um, maybe. There's, there was enough continuity um, at Leighton Orient when he came in for him to hit the ground running. There was there's none of that here. Um, he was coming in needing to put together a whole new squad, um, coming off having two managers in in space of a couple of months. Um, and uh, it seemed as though the budget last summer was spent very early on a couple of players. And then, you know, we needed a lot more and we needed, you know, good players in good areas and, didn't happen. Um, we got a couple of signings who looked really good at first. Ben Close, Kyle Noyle, both looked like really good statement signings. But then um, we just didn't seem to build on it. And then by mid-season, when he got sacked, we were playing a team full of a combination, I suppose, of our own academy kids who weren't ready and, and young loan players who, who probably weren't ready, most of them either, um, mm. which which really was a recipe for disaster. And yeah, um, when he was eventually sacked, I think most of us were saying, yeah, that's probably fair. Just just didn't work at all. I think 
the you you mentioned earlier on about how it, it's not just been a restructuring in terms of management and coaching, but also the level above that. So recruitment, I'm guessing you're talking about, and sort of technical director, if that's the name that that they've gone with at Doncaster, but that kind of level uh, of um, management, I suppose, for the footballing side of the club. Um, it's become more and more fashionable maybe is the wrong word for it but we're, we're, we're knowing more about that kind of side to football these days maybe you are right maybe the fact that there was at Leighton Orient there's there's been that continuity you know there were already players with a certain level of fitness maybe the that 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 recruitment sort of part of the structure identified Richie Wellens as well his style of football will fit in with the players that we've already got and maybe that's the route now that Doncaster will be going down. I mean, it's essentially what we've done over the last couple of years at the Cobblers, which is have a recruitment committee. And, you know, although the manager sits on that, you know, there's also going to be a point where, um, you know, our manager, John Brady, will no longer be the manager. I hope it's not for many, many years to come, of course. But at that point, he'll get replaced, but he'll also get replaced on the or the new manager that comes in will not just be the manager, but it'll also sit on that little board of recruitment structure or whatever you want to call it. So it is it is interesting how one manager might not suit a club. I mean, the other argument potentially you could just say is that his style of football doesn't work in League One. It's not really been uh, proven to work yet because he obviously failed with you guys. Um, and obviously then... He left you and you were sat 23rd in League One after 19 matches. Was that too late for you? I, I don't think it, it necessarily was too late. I just think that where we were at beyond the league table was just too much to recover from. We had a, a squad that was half injured players and half players who weren't fit enough and the confidence levels and the motivation were just through the floor. Um, it, it takes a lot to pick that up, um, pick those players up really. And we, we did sign a lot of players in January as well, some of whom are, are proven to be very important now. Um, but obviously when you're bedding in seven or eight new players to a team that's already struggling at the bottom of the league, it's 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 going to be difficult. And we did see some shoots of recovery, I suppose, however faint they were towards the end of the season. We saw a bit more of a consistent playing style from Gary McSheffrey's team and we did get a couple of, of good results that I really don't think we would have got in the first half of the season, uh, winning away at Sunderland, for instance, winning away at Milton Keynes. Um, you know, there were few and far between, but there were the odd the odd few games where you'd say, hmm, maybe this is, this is actually going somewhere, whereas I could not name really more than maybe 45 minutes of one or two games under Wellens where we, we really... I had a good idea what we were trying to do, even if it wasn't working, and, and it was very mishmash, and it was it was very confusing to be honest. It was a strange time, and yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that having a having James Coppinger in the head of football role will kind of align everybody now along that certain thing, and, and hopefully not rock the club every time the manager does leave, because that has been a big problem um, through probably three successive managers before Wellens, um, and I think that was probably probably getting towards the root of the problem with with why we've declined so quickly um but yeah again it's too early to tell with that and I was quite quite critical of of Coppinger being appointed at the time in April to that role um just for his own experience but there's no doubt in his position as a you know as a club as a club legend and someone who knows the club and what we're trying to do and knows the people who he's who he's working for and and working with so um 
I, I am encouraged by the summer that we've had. I'm encouraged enough by the start to the season we've had, even if the performances haven't been great by uh, by Gary McSheffrey's own admittance. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be very glad to just forget the first six months of last season in a hurry because <laughs> it, it was truly, truly a very dark and toxic time for Doncaster Rovers. <laughs> so you've um, you mentioned Gary McSheffrey there. He's come through as a coach. Um, I think he's been there four years now. Mm. Uh, through the coaching system, is, was that important to you that it's somebody from within? Because he's obviously he's lost his th- three of his first four games. Do you not start to get a little bit worried in that spell or did you see enough in that little patch to say, actually, whether we stay up or not, he's he's the right man to take us forward? I, I was I was dead against it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> um, I, I felt we needed fresh eyes. We needed someone from outside of the Rovers bubble to kind of get us going. And if we'd have appointed someone like that, I think Paul Simpson was was the main main candidate to to be the manager, other than McSheffrey during that you know protracted process where we did a whole managerial recruitment drive and then hired the guy that was already in the job <laughs> on a caretaker basis. Um, whether whether someone like Paul Simpson would have ended up keeping us up, I have no idea. Um, probably not, to be honest. I think it would have been a hiding to nothing for someone like that. But um, the, the one thing with Mitch Sheffrey is that he does know the club very well. He was here as a, as a player before he became a, a youth coach as well. He knows James Coppinger very well. He knows some of the senior players very well already. And what we're starting to see as well this season is he's he's kind of been brave enough to to bring in some of the young academy players that have traditionally not really come through and done much at Donny. Um, and a couple of them have, have looked really good um, under Mitch Sheffrey. Because obviously he's, he's seen him in in the academy and he's obviously got a relationship with them already. I think maybe McSheffrey's, uh, whilst his, t- his tactical now is maybe still, you know, up for debate, I think he's he's clearly better at motivating the, these players that we've got than, uh, than somebody else coming from out of the club with his own ideas might have been. Um, when he when he took the job out again, I was I was dead against it because I did feel we needed those fresh eyes, and um, he didn't have a very good start. But I don't think anyone really in the fan base blamed him for that. It was more, well, what's what's he going to do with what's what he's been left with, sort of thing. Um, but I, I like I like how he comes across in interviews, and I like how he is on the touchline and stuff. He he's quite a positive um, figure, and I think he's somebody that does he, he is willing to come out and say what he thinks properly without kind of sugarcoating it. And I think fans do appreciate that. Um, it's not in like a bullish way. It's not in, in a arrogant or belligerent way like we've seen with maybe some managers I could name, um, <laughs> certainly at this level. Um, but I, I think he's kind of straight talking and a pretty straight up guy. And I think if he's got the if he's got the ear and the respect to the players, then that is a good start because I don't think we really have that um, under under his, his predecessor. And, and I think that is at least a good, good chunk of what you've got to do when you're trying to bet a whole new squad together. Mm. So you mentioned your summer last season, well, a couple of seasons ago being dreadful. How's it been this summer? Pleased with what's happened so far? Yeah, I, I am, to be honest. I think there's you know maybe one or two areas that we could have approached differently, but we've only got, I think, one one lone player at this point in time, which is good because mm-hmm. we've, we've been used to having five or six every season. Darren Moore very famously said, well, I know we can only have five in the squad, but... I'm happy to have seven or eight um, on books. And, and it was just like, well, we're not mm, really. Okay. <laughs> when, when you get the odd gem, that's great. I mean, you know, um, that can be really good. But last season's crop were mm, fair to middling at best. And uh, I, I'd, I'd rather see us try and cultivate a squad 
on longer term contracts that I'm sure every club wants, every fan wants this at their club. But um, it seems to be what we're doing now. We've got 24 or 25 permanently contracted players, um, a decent mix of really experienced players at a higher level, and then some younger prospects who we're hoping to develop. Um, and I think recruitment this summer was done in a much more sensible way. I think we've we've added decent squad depth. We've not neglected any area of the team, whereas that certainly was happening in previous summers. Um, that I'm absolutely maddened by our lack of decisiveness over getting a striker in last summer and the summer before, actually, under Darren Moore as well. Um, whereas this summer, we came out on the first week of the window and signed a striker, George Miller, signed mm-hmm. a winger in, in Luke Molyneux and, mm-hmm. and went from there. And, and to me... Um, I think they've done a good job. We need to obviously get some of those players up to speed, get embedded in and, and see how they get on. But um, so far, so good. And, and some of our best players in these opening games have been Mick Sheffrey's uh, new signings. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that continues. Yeah, the two you mentioned, I was actually going to bring up. Um, Molyneux, really good pedigree from Hartlepool. Really sensible signing. I think in general, your recruitment looks really promising in terms of getting out of League Two on paper. George Miller had a really good season for Walsall last season, scored 12 goals, I think it was, on loan for them. So again, really sensible signings in terms of players who have done it at this level already and are not untried. Um, Obviously, you've got Lee Tomlin in there as well, um, who we won't mention too much because of his past (laughs) links, but um, (laughs) he's he's still kicking around. 33, I thought he was older than 33, if I'm honest. Yeah. but he's in there. Um, seems like you've had a massive clear out as well. Yeah, we a have huge I, list yeah. of players leaving. Yeah, well, last season I think there was there was a certain group of players who kind of had the you know tarred with the brush of not up for it, not bothered, and not good enough. And we've managed to ship some of them out. Jordi Hewula, Joe Dodu, um, probably being the chief ones, and and we've just freshened the squad up a bit. There, you know, there are a couple of players that we got rid of end of last season who I think a lot of our fans would rather stay. Cameron John. Who's, who's gone to Rochdale and started every game in defence for them. We've seen how that's going for them so far. <laughs> um, you know, Fijirio Kenabiri spent all last season injured. He's ended up at Cambridge, but I don't feel like we're going to miss him now we've got Miller. Um, certainly, I think there was a um, a directive really from Coppinger that we get players in who either know the level and, and have played in it recently and, and have proven that they're capable, like Molyneux and like Miller, as you say, and then players who've got the experience from a higher level um, we signed Adam Clayton in January and he's already the captain now. Um, Lee Tomlin. I mean, yeah, I appreciate Lee Tomlin's probably not a, a name people will like in Northampton based on his uh, no. his former club or clubs, um, thinking back to the, <laughs> the Rushton days. But yeah. um, <laughs> he, he, he's been all anyone wants to talk to me about last couple of weeks. Obviously, he, was, he got that ridiculous red card at Bradford on the opening day, <laughs> yeah. which was really, really funny, although I, I didn't find it very funny at the time. Oh, we um, did. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, everyone else did. I, I had people who don't even watch football um, <laughs> coming, co- coming up to me at work and going, have you seen this? Is this Donny? Is this who you watch? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Silly that, isn't it? Yeah, nice one. But to be fair to him, uh, he came back from his suspension and he's been a Rolls Royce so far since then. Um, he's, he's He's been a real, um, you know, ticking sort of player in that attacking third, as we all know he can be capable of. I don't think... I, don't, I think it's easy to say, well, he's 33. He doesn't really look like he's in best shape, although he's always looked like that, really. And, and he's obviously got these behavioural, let's say, quirks. Um <laughs> But he's he's shown really good quality so far, and and so has Clayton. Um, as, as kind of like the spine of that midfield, um, they've they've looked really good, and I'm sure Northampton will be planning to try and shut them down at the weekend because mm. um, I think Salford and and Stockport especially didn't didn't do that. They just kind of sat off, 
both of them and let them kind of pick passes and and it, and it didn't it didn't work out for them very well. You know, Tomlin's I think got the assist on uh, both winning goals in our last two games. So um, just those defense splitting passes or those little little flourishes that can can kind of wrong foot a defense. Um, that's something we haven't had for quite a while. That kind of creative player in that pocket behind the striker. So. Mm. Um, is he playing oh, in a, like the number ten role? Yeah, yeah, he is. It's it's at times it looks a little bit deeper than number ten, but I think he is more of a more of a ten. Um, Clayton's kind of pushing out of the defence as the playmaker with the ball and trying to play the long passes. Um, and then obviously we're hoping we haven't seen Molyneux yet from the start. He's, he's he started the season injured, but um, if we can get get Molyneux involved from the start, which I think might be coming on Saturday. Um, then we've got some nice creative options in there, and then obviously it's the job of the the other forwards to get the ball in the net. Mm. There's the there's the battle then, Charles Sean McWilliams against Lee Tomlin. Mm, yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'll know each other because he was on trial with us, wasn't he? For he was. Bit. Yeah, they'll get to know each other quite well, I think, on Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Adam, as we said before, you're unbeaten ahead of the weekend, yep. uh, like the Cobblers in the league. Again, not only you're, you're not only coming from behind a lot, but you're scoring a load of last minute injury time goals, just like us. Back to back wins early on, which is important because you didn't do it at all last season. Home wins as well, which was in short supply. I think you lost 13 out of 23 home games last season. Uh, yeah. How <laughs> how important has it been, A, to get the monkey off your back in terms of home, win, home wins, but to see the team come from behind and to go right to the end like that? Because I think I know it, in our terms, it's something new to us. So it, it must be quite refreshing in, in that sense. Yeah, well, it's it's new to us as well. I mean, winning games <laughs> is new to us, to be fair. I was I was so glad we got the, the back-to-back wins because that was kind of a big monkey on the back last season that I kept referring to in, in kind of my coverage of, of it because every time you'd see a good or at least a decent display last season or we'd get like a gutsy win like away at Sunderland, we'd never follow it up. We just could not get any consistency going and, and to see us, you know, winning the home games, winning the two games in a row. And the last minute goals have been kind of ridiculous. Um, I, I, I think Doncaster Rovers being a team that don't know the beat. Um, I've only really experienced that maybe one or two seasons in, in 25 years of going. So um, it's not, it's not a typical character trait of us. Um, I'm glad we've seemed to have found some resilience and a bit of uh, a bit of character and grit in us. Cause we, again, it's it's just not not been the Donny way, I don't think, over the last few years. And and I think if Gary McSheffrey's managed to find something in the mentality to to unlock that, then that's great. I think the experience I think the experienced players certainly make a difference to that. One of the things that I've kind of been thinking is this new five subs rule and whether it's helping us a little bit in terms mm. of having more fresh uh players coming onto the pitch um later on in the game. Do you think that's maybe the same for you guys. Yeah, it might well be. I think, I think uh, one of the reasons that we went to try and get some kind of depth players in the window this year was because of that change to five subs. I think somebody somewhere in our recruitment team and coaching staff has, has identified that it's not just about being fitter and, and kind of being concentrating for the whole game. It is kind of utilising that squad because again, squad depth has been something that's just not been a thing we can even. And we've always again, relied on loan players and kind of tried to maximise the budget with first 11, you know, sort of level players and then augmenting it, loans and younger players. So I, I think someone somewhere has, has identified that over the summer personally and it has made a difference. I mean, Kieran Agard has, has scored two of those um, last-minute winners and he hasn't started a game um, since February, I don't think. So, um, you know, those kind of fresh legs coming on late. Molyneux as well, um, he came on and made a big difference last Tuesday against Stockport from the bench after about an hour. Um it is nice to see, and I think that 
when you've got kind of a squad at League Two level where um, certainly we've got quite a few young players who haven't played more than 20, 30 um, football league games. I, I think that does make a difference. I'm, I'll be interested to see how we use that over the season because I think last year McSheffrey wasn't really seen as someone who wanted to make substitutions early in games. We were either, I mean, unless it was something at half time because we were 3-0 down, which <laughs> to be fair did happen a few times. But um, I think, you know, usually if a game was finally balanced, McSheffrey seemed to want to keep it kind of as it was and, and see if they could see it out. And obviously, fitness-wise last season, that was kind of a, a, a bad call more often than not. And Whereas this year, he's been proactive. He maybe has a bit more confidence with who he's got on the bench to to bring in and change things. And he's not been afraid to make tactical alterations that take out players who are doing well. I mean, James Maxwell's been our, our, our left-back who's made a really good start to the season since signing from Rangers. He's been substituted early twice now, I think, and, and both times were to get a player like Molyneux into the game further forward and or move Tommy Rowe over to the left flank and kind of use him as a as a winger and and it has worked. I mean obviously we're unbeaten so it's it's working so far. One more player to <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me and Charles are arguing over who's gonna ask this question, I think. Um we've got one more player to to talk about. Um all of our listeners will probably know who it, who it's gonna be. Charles, do you want to ask this question? Or... Oh I'd love to. Go on, yeah. Have the have the floor, Charles. Oh okay, thank you. Um <laughs> How do we ask this question? Should we play word association game? Uh, <laughs> spilly. Uh, what else could we go with? No, let's just, let's just go straight into it. Adam, how the <laughs> hell is Jonathan Mitchell your number one? <laughs> Funnily enough, when you started that preamble, I kind of knew who you were going to be on about. <laughs> um, it's, it's a good one. Jonathan Mitchell's certainly been a polarising character at uh, Rovers since he signed, that's for sure. Um, personally... I think he's maybe got a bit too much stick at times for us. I don't obviously for for you guys. We we got the reports when he signed for us and uh, from 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 you guys, and and obviously they weren't very glowing, let's say. Uh, and I think last season we did see a bit of that. His his debut was a disaster. Um, we got beaten four or five nil at home by Rotherham, our local rivals. Obviously a very good League One side at the time, but they absolutely battered us, and he made a couple of really big mistakes. Um, and and his uh, his distribution has come in for some some uh, hammer, let's say. But I, th- I think he's doing okay. And, and I think that so far it's more, he's done more good than bad. But I don't know how well that will shine up as the whole season wears on. Obviously, he was first choice most of second half of last season. He won his place from our um, academy keeper, Louis Jones, which maybe didn't take too much doing, to be honest. Um, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just because we've had such poor goalkeepers preceding him for a couple of seasons that... Um, he, he he kind of looks a bit better by by contrast, but I wouldn't say that if you said name your best eleven and then pick out the weak links or likely problems today, I'd probably name him early. Um, in 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 most games that I'm asked that, but he has done okay. He's won his games. I will say he has won his games on his own at times, especially last season when we had no no team hardly. I mean the. I keep mentioning it, but we won 2-1 at Sunderland in February, uh, having been beaten 4-0 at home by them a couple of months earlier. And he was brilliant that day. He'd only just come into the team. He'd only played a couple of games and he he, he won us the three points. No doubt about it, we would have lost 4 or 5-2 um, without him. So, I mean, his shot stopping's been decent. He seems to be quite a vocal goalkeeper, which we've not really seen for quite a while. Um, and again, I can't stress enough, when he's following Jones, who is still here as the backup keeper, which... You know, nothing against him, but he's he's very young, very inexperienced and is prone to a rick. And then the goalkeeper before that was Pontus Dahlberg um, on loan from Watford. I think he's gone back to Sweden now. Um, and if you ask Gillingham fans, I'm sure they'll tell you the same, that Dahlberg is just not 
not a good goalkeeper. So um, it might just be that he was best of a you know mixed bunch last season, let's say. But he's he's made the number one shirt his own this year, and I'm sure he'll get some uh, some uh, shouts from the crowd on Saturday. But um, hopefully, it motivates him to have a have a blinder because I've definitely seen that happen with ex Rovers players before who we didn't think much of. So um, fingers crossed for him. And uh, yeah, I'm fine with him as our number one for now. A lot of people said that was one area where we haven't signed in the summer that we maybe should have done, but we've got him and Jones on on year-long contracts. So uh, I, I felt it was fine to prioritise elsewhere. And if he makes himself a problem in this first half of the season, I'm sure we can look at it in January. It's uh, bound to be a very good game for young Mr. Mitchell on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I, I love suggest. it. I, th- I think all our fans should just get off his back right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's, Neil, he's if brilliant. you're listening to this, um, Neil, just <laughs> don't wind him up at all. Um, but no, it, I'm excited to see what happens in this one. Are you going down, Adam? To... I, I'm not, sadly, no. it's uh, I've got to pick and choose, and because I live in the northeast, we're away at Hartlepool a couple of weeks later, which nice. made a bit more sense to go to. But I've, I've not made it to six fields before, so I'd like to come again. Hopefully, in League One next year, we can mm. we can meet up. <laughs> so, so. Um, let's get on to predictions then. Charles, mm. you are on a beach somewhere? Yes, I am. So you're, you can make a prediction based on that, if you want. Or, yeah. Uh, based, will. Uh, will you be trying to follow the game somehow, or keeping up with... I mean, or are you just going to completely blank up, blank it off? No, no. I, I, I dare say that I will attempt to see the game in some capacity somehow. Um, so yeah, or at least listen to it. It, it does depend, obviously, what what is happening uh, on Saturday afternoon on the beach. If there's a uh, a surfing competition, that might distract <laughs> me. Uh, I might go catch a big wave, yeah. bit bit of surf. Yeah. Um, Keith Cole hat on. Get my Keith Curl hat on. Yeah, if that if that comes down over my eyes a bit too much, then I might not see anything apart from sheep. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm going for a. Uh, it's Jonathan Mitchell in goal. I'm going for a forty-five <laughs> oh, <no>. nil win. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, man. I'm joking. Uh, I will go for a. I'm going to go three-two to Northampton because Ooh. we've already had two ding dongs. Um, this season, and uh, both of us are scoring late goals. Both of us are, are unbeaten at the moment. The only reason that I'm going for us to win is because we're at home, home advantage, and of course, Samuel Tobias Hoskins will get a brace. <laughs> oh, but only brace. Where's the hat trick? Can we just no, no, no? Can we just point out uh, somebody, uh, namely me, last week? Might have got the prediction of the scoreline wrong, but what did I say about the goal scorer, Danny? Sammy Spies Hoskins. It's brace. It's, it's mm. brace. Yeah, I remember uh, you're, you saying that three two. It takes me back. It was, you, Adam, you might be too young to remember this. Um, three three at Sixfields. There was I think in ninety six. It was absolutely oh, yes. pissing down with rain. The mud was everywhere. This was the year before we went up in the playoffs. So it was, but it was. I just remember it being absolutely chucking it down. It was a proper league two battle and ended 3-3 it's got that feel about it but um I've just got a feeling it's gonna go the other way because we've both been scoring late goals because plus we've both been scoring a lot of goals I'm going nil-nil yeah I love it uh Adam where are you going for that well 
I mean, it's weird. I know we're, we're unbeaten. We've won three out of four. Um, and uh, ordinarily, that normally gets my brain going, well, we're definitely going to lose sometime soon because this is... I think we're on an eight-game unbeaten league run. I can't remember mm-hmm. the last time we managed that. So, um, However, um, we haven't actually put a complete performance together yet. And despite the fact we had a couple of injuries to the defence last weekend that we've still no idea if, if that'll affect our lineup or not, I think with Molyneux coming in and starting for the first time, hopefully, and with Johnny Mitchell, surely in just the way that football works, he's bound yeah. to have a world-class performance, right? Same um, he's, penalty, he's, yeah. He's got to, and we've not been able to get clean sheets really yet. So, he's, And to be fair, Mitchell's saved a couple of penalties uh, since he's come to us. So let's, let's, let's say Doncaster are going to win 2-0. Mitchell will save a penalty and um, Williams will probably get sent off for, for trying to wind up Tomlin and failing. Let's go with all that. <laughs> a I worthy like that. red card, that'll be. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, look forward to chatting with you again later in the season. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, so it's uh, at DRFC underscore I-T-E-N. Um, uh, that's on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, I don't do Facebook. Um and yeah, obviously the website, I think you mentioned it earlier, is intotheemptynet.com where I'm, I'm sure I'll have some thoughts on our unbeaten start to the season in the next few days. Um, and yeah, thanks for having us on again. It's uh, always good to chat to you guys and hopefully a, a good season beckons for, for both our sides. Nice one. Good stuff. Charles, next week, mm. we've got a monumental task on our hands for the preview show. Oh, because, do we? Are? Yeah, oh. we, we've got to find a Barrow fan. Oh, do we to have to? With. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be hard. But I'm going to start looking now. See if I'm we can sure find, we can one. find one. If, if not, we'll make one up. But there <laughs> we go. Um, thanks, Adam. Thank you, Charles. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back in your ears on Tuesday as we look back on this one. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.